uh, what I'd like to do is, you know, have a make this more of a little bit of a fireside chat. I feel like we're almost in the living room here, so it seems really appropriate. I got a call from uh, Nate and Jocelyn Devaney about two weeks ago, and they said, you know, Brad, uh, just just so you know, we we feel like people really want to share what's on their heart, and and I think partly was that implied in there was no one wants to hear you talk for 45 minutes is what they were trying to say. Uh, so I think we're going to try to mix it up a little bit, maybe a little more interactive. Uh, it's great to see Todd here and your son. Uh, Todd is long-term missionary in Croatia. And uh, I don't know if you, do you want to give a quick update, Todd, on everything that's going on? Or just, sure, why not? Yeah, missionary. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're always ready, right? Do you have a PowerPoint? Can we put it up? Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, some of you guys know uh, maybe the Heatons and the Brackets. We went over 22 years ago to work with Mishko Horvatek in Croatia, and we're still there, which is amazing. We're still a team, which is probably even more amazing. So, uh, but God is good. We have a crew of graduates that are out uh, pastoring churches all throughout the former Yugoslavia. We're mentoring these men. We're evangelizing the lost. We're serving in churches, strengthening churches, and. I think we're doing everything we were sent over there to do. And more. Uh, and, yeah. and so we're just thankful to God for you guys who pray for us, who support us. Without you, of course, we wouldn't be there. Um, and it's just great to see you guys and to be in a same part of California this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, Todd and Lynn uh, and their family, uh, they were some of the pioneers because we had our group that he talked about in Krapina, but Todd was one of the first ones to kind of reach out move out to different parts of the country, reach across borders into uh, Serbia, correct? And yeah, so uh, so anyway, appreciate you having here and great to have your son here. And we have a lot of missionary kids that come part of Masters University. And I encourage all the Masters students to reach out to them and share the experiences they have and then make them feel part of the, uh, the experience at Masters. It's really, uh, I think it's a great thing that we kind of have that uh, as part of it. And it's really a rich blessing that uh, comes to us at Masters. So um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about trials. Again, I'm taking, taking the lead from Nate and Jocelyn and saying, hey, let's talk about things that are, are kind of hitting us where we live. Am I, did I listen? Yes, okay, okay, good. <laughs> that, that was the other implication. You know, we feel like uh, no one's listening to us, so we don't want to talk to you. And so anyway, I'm listening. So, okay. <laughs> I think my phone's going to be ringing off the hook now, but, uh. So I want to talk a little bit about trials. You know, 2020 is, I guess we know a little bit about trials this year. You know, we've had, start off with drought. You know, we've had been a long-term drought. And then fires have been coming. And then uh, certainly the plague now is uh, starting to sweep through. And uh, we've had riots, uh, economic challenges, uh, uh, government upheaval. I mean, I'm waiting for the locusts and the frogs to be coming, uh, or maybe the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, to come riding down the, the lane, although that, that would challenge my theology a little bit because I'm not supposed to be seeing them. Uh, so, but, um, uh, so, but it does seem like uh, this year has been one uh, that's been a little more challenging uh, than most. Um, and even, even things that we never typically experience here in the U.S. about persecution, persecution of the church, persecution for our faith. I think we felt that, haven't we? Particularly in California, I think we see the winds of legislation and, and just public opinion kind of turning against us to some degree. Uh, even us meeting here today is not uh, popular with many people. 
uh, even though, you know, as we took a stand on that. And so we see all of these trials coming into our life. And it's, it's tempting to say, well, you know, because I think most of us try to spend our time avoiding trials, um, you know, mitigating them. But, but as we'll see that even these things that seem so catastrophic and so dire are really all part of God's plan for us. And so to kind of get the ball rolling, um, just wanted to check in with see, you know, are people, are you guys experiencing any of this? Anybody experiencing trials as part of COVID? Any, anybody, how many people feel like they're under trial to some degree? Well, a few people. Okay. Not, not too, not as many. How's it going? I want to check. How's it going at the university? How do you guys like being there in the, uh, uh, the divided, uh, dorm rooms things, wearing masks on campus? I, I, I think uh, university is much better about uh, their mask wearing than we are here at Grace. But uh, uh, yeah. how, are you, how are you guys feeling at the university? It's different. Yeah. yeah. Have you gotten used to it? Yeah. We get used to anything at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so hands never been cleaner, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I, I saw one funny um, illustration on that where... Um, a guy uh, on the internet said he was washing his hands so many times, all his notes from junior high started appearing on his <laughs> hand. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was funny. But um, so, uh, you know, anybody kind of had any kind of trials related to COVID that they wanted to share? Thomas? Uh, I'll try to be brief. Um, but it was about a week after uh, the Shepherds Conference that our house guest was tested positive for COVID-19. I notified my employer. They sent me home almost immediately, and we had to go into, uh, I think it was 14 days of of quarantine. And and then I was struggling with an illness as well. I I thought uh, I might have had COVID. But my symptoms weren't bad enough to go get tested at that time, early, early on, and and so uh, our our house guest, uh, after a number of days, we moved her out into the the front bedroom, uh, away from us as far as possible. She remained in her room, and uh, and my wife was on a double duty, not only caring for for her, fixing her three meals a day. With uh, with the joy of the Lord, honey, and uh, and she was serving me, and uh, so that was a, a beautiful testimony, and 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 being a part of the this church, being a, being a part of the uh, the Glendale Bible Study, was uh, uh, just a great blessing. Uh, there were there were delicious meals that were delivered to our front door. We have a a number of pictures that we, we took, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't have contact with them. And uh, though it was a, I'll say, a, a valley of shadow of, of death, uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 23, God was there, and, and, and this church was there, and, and weekly, weekly deliveries from this church of delicious food and we never ate so well in our in our lives. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a trial we went through, and God was faithful, and and and, and uh, it's so it's so blessed to be in God's family. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Thomas. And I think that's that's a perfect example of 
why church is essential. You know, when we're going through trials, we need the fellowship of other believers. We need the support, the strength. And, uh, and that's a perfect uh, example of that. Um, you know, what, what um, just out of curiosity, what, you know, when we experience a trial, what, why, why do we get discouraged? Why did trials tend to discourage us? What is, any thoughts on that? Why do, we, why do they get us down? We don't like change. We, we're in our comfort zone. Anything out of that comfort zone or anything that's not according to my plan uh, is a bad thing. Yeah, that's good. Other, other reasons why we get discouraged? No, it's scary. Most times when I've been through a trial, it's either painful physically or mentally. Or... It's the pain. Yeah, they're discouraging. You're going through, and some of these can be intensely painful, both physically, mentally. So that can be discouraging. Yeah, no doubt about that. And terrifying. There's fear. <clears throat> you know, when, when things like COVID are sweeping through, there's this fear uh, of, you know, and other things. When people are rioting in the streets, there's a fear that comes associated with that. So that can be, yeah, that can be challenging. Other? Um, we're out of control. Yes, exactly. We like to be in control of things, don't we? We like to orchestrate things all according to our plan. Uh, we like to being in control of trials give us a feeling of being out of control, and that's scary. That's, that's really scary. You know, I, um, <clears throat> you know and, it, and it, I think um, trials tend to challenge your faith, and they tend to challenge your concept of God, and we're going to talk about that today. I, one of the kind of early trials I remember, I was a camp counselor at uh, Camp Colby, up in the mountains here. Anybody know about Camp Colby? No, it was a United Methodist camp. So I was there. I was sort of transitioning. Uh, I had been part of a United Methodist church, and we had, had been involved in a youth group there, and I became a camp counselor at this, at this camp. And, uh, but it was around the time where I, I kind of found the Lord. A guy had shared with me, and while in the midst of being a counselor at this camp, I accepted Christ, right? I came to an understanding. I don't know if I exactly accepted him that day, but anyway, my... My theology, my belief in God changed, and but I was still a counselor at this camp. So as you imagine, that presented some interesting uh, challenges. So I started to talk about uh, I would they would the, the the dean would let me kind of do presentations to the group there. And so I had this whole thing about prayer, you know, using that acts a c t s adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So I was teaching the camp group, you know, hey, a very what I thought was a very basic structure about how to pray. And you wouldn't imagine how everything came back to me because I had these little signs about God and man and God's up here and he comes down to, you know, and everyone's saying, God and man, you know, God is in everything. He's not, it's not God up here and man down here, you know. And then uh, another guy said, well, because I think uh, I made a point of, well, God allows trials in our life to teach us. And, and another guy who's, a, who's now a pastor in the Methodist Church, he came God doesn't allow, are you saying God allows trials? Does God allow trials? No. You know, and, then, and then it's like, well, what concept of God do you have? Uh, if he doesn't allow them, then you're saying he's powerless. Uh, he's not omnipotent. He's not, omni, uh, he's not uh, omniscient. And, and I, that was the first time where we'd get in these prayer circles and people were actively praying against me. You know, I know that God doesn't allow trial. And I'm like, whoa, I never experienced that, you know. So, um, 
So that was my first little experience of uh, persecution from a kind of an unlikely uh, corner. Um, but, you know, and I was new in my faith. But, you know, honestly, that was one of the best things for me. It was a way to, I, you know, people would come, they'd ask me questions. I didn't know my Bible that well. Boy, I was in the Bible trying to say why what you're telling me is not true, why the Lord has told us that this is the truth. And I never, I, I don't think I ever grew as much as I did as being a counselor at that camp. And that's those trials lead you to growth. So, um, you know, we, everybody, everybody's heard probably the prosperity gospel, right? So, you know, God, you know, we're, we're all descended from Abraham. You know, Abraham was wealthy. You know, if you have faith like Abraham, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Uh, you know, name it and claim it. You know, we know the bakers and a lot of guys, uh, even today, Joel Osteen, others are kind of in this, uh, th- in this camp. And then if we experience hardship, uh, if we don't have those things, then there's something wrong with our faith. We don't have enough faith, you know, and, uh, usually faith is measured by how much you contribute That's uh, how they, they would, uh, uh, measure that. So, um, and it's all, as you see, that's all focused on kind of her- earthly blessing, what we get here and now. And, uh, I think, Joel had a Joel Osteen had a, a book called "Live Your Best Life Now." That's right, because you're focusing on the here and now. You, you know, I I sure hope that I'm not living my best life now. You know, I want to live my best life in the future. But that's what the prosperity gospel teaches, and that's that's that thinking seeps into the church as well. You know, if we don't have these things that other people have, then somehow our faith isn't strong enough, or something we're we're doing something wrong. Um, but as we'll see today. Trials is the way God is, is really a joy, a blessing. It's how God teaches us, how he, he um, causes us to grow. And you look at uh, all, all the, if you go to the Bible, everybody that ha- is held out as a strong example of faith, look at Hebrews 11, where we have the, you know, kind of the, just the paragons of faith and virtue. Look at Moses, look at Ruth, look at every, every one of those who are identified as strong in their faith, also had usually some major trial or a series of trials or many trials uh, that helped them build that faith. So even the people who are, even Abraham, who, who says the father of faith was very wealthy, he had a trial. What was his trial? Sacrificing his son. Can you imagine a trial more severe than that one to take anybody who is a parent to have the Lord tell you to go and take your only son and to sacrifice him? Can you imagine that? Anything that would be greater, more emotional, more gut-wrenching than a trial like that? And just going on down the list, Joseph. Here was a gra- he accomplished great things, but he had trials. David, many trials. Paul. Many trials, many severe trials, both physical, mental, persecution, Peter, and ultimately Christ. All of these men of faith, men and women of faith, were known not only for their strong faith, but the trials that strengthened their faith, that made them strong, that brought them closer to God. So so if you want to be someone who's strong of faith, trials are part of the package. That's why we welcome them. So, and as we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 
no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you may endure it. Remember that word endurance. We're going to come back to it again. Endure. So this, this tells us that, first of all, God allows trials. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but he does allow us to be tempted. And the extent of that, as you see, is based on our ability. So the more ability, the more able we are able to withstand trials, the greater the trials become because that pushes us to the next level. So God, this is clear that God does allow trials in our life. It's for us to grow. Uh, but as part of that, he also gives us the tools. He gives us, with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape. So God gives us the tools. He gives us the power. He gives us the, the ability to get, and we're going to see that, to get through them. And, and, and you can see that, and the, and the ultimate there is we would endure it. So that endurance comes, we'll see. And so God really manages our learning experience through trials to grow our faith. So we can see that trials are a critical part of every believer's faith and it plays an important role of our spiritual development. <clears throat> and we have this process of, even though we are Christians, there's this progressive sanctification where we become Christians, we are regenerated immediately at the point in time we become Christian, but there's a progressive, gradual, uh, continuous process of sanctification that God uses trials to work in us. Uh, John Owen was a Puritan pastor and theologian. He said this, The work of holiness at its beginning is like a seed cast into the earth, namely the seed of God, by which we are born again. And we know that how the seed that is cast in the earth grows and increases, being variously cherished and nourished. Its nature is to take root and spring up, bringing forth fruit. So it is with the principle of grace and holiness. So it is with the principle of grace and holiness. It's small at first, but being received in good and honest hearts, made so by the Spirit of God and nourished and cherished there, it takes root and produces fruit. And both of these, first the planting and the increase of it, are equally from God by His Spirit. So this is the process of progressive sanctification that trials are an integral part of. So <clears throat> we're going to go to Romans 5, <clears throat> starting uh, verse 1. And 5, 1 through 5. And this is sort of parallel to the James passage, James 1, 2, 3, which we'll cover. But um, <clears throat> So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So this is the process by which gradual sanctification uh, happens. And you can see that tribulations are the key initiator of that uh, growth. So, but what is the foundation? Let's talk about that first. So before we talk about tribulations, what is the foundation? Because if you don't have this foundation, then tribulations are not going to cause growth. You have to be a Christian. So you have to have that hope. So in starting off in the first part here, um, uh, yeah, so starting with verse one. So uh, let's see. So you are justified by faith. 
We have peace through God. So justified. So we're made righteous. We stand positionally uh, righteous in front of God. And this is through Christ's sacrifice. And we have peace through God. So we were at enmity. Before we knew Christ, we were, we were enemies of God. Now we have peace. Um, and uh, let's see. So some of the key themes of Romans is justification by faith and the security of our salvation. Um, in Romans 4.3, uh, you know, because if there's a tempt to say, you know, hey, we might have been saved by works or things that we do. Romans 4.3, what should we say that our father Abraham and the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited him to righteousness. So even Abraham is our father through faith. Um, and he was saved by faith. Uh, and Hebrews 10, 23, uh, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful. And so we've been declared, uh, and we have faith that can't be taken away from us. We have been declared righteous. We have that righteousness through him. We've been justified. Um, you know, Colossians 1, 20, through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through his blood, uh, the blood of his cross through him, I say, whether of things on earth or things in heaven. So Christ has made peace. We are no longer enemies of God. And now we have access to God through grace. You know, the veil was torn in two when Christ died on the cross, and we have access to God directly through Christ. Um, and that through that, we get access to his grace. So God, in Ephesians 1.3, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And in addition to that, we have a hope. So in Romans 8.30, it says, These whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we have a hope of glorification. So this is the transaction that takes place. You know, when we become Christians, this is the foundation for our faith. And so let's talk a little bit about when we become Christians, what are some of the things that happen to us that, that prepare us for trials, that get us through trials? Anybody have some thoughts on that? We're given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Here we have a new spirit, uh, Ephesians 1, uh, 13. In him, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So a huge difference. The Holy Spirit is in our lives. God is living in us, working with us to endure trials and to grow our faith alongside of these trials. What else do we have? Eyes are opened to the truth and clarity of Scripture. Yes, we have the Scripture. And we understand it through the Holy Spirit. We understand the Scripture. We have the truth. We understand that we understand when we go through a trial, what does scripture say? What does the Lord command us to do? What, that's really the instruction manual for getting us leading the Christian life and getting through trials. What else do we have? Hope. Yes. You know, if, if you have no hope of the future, then trials are ultimate discouragement, right? But if you have hope of the future, we know we can get through this. We know we can get through this. We have the hope that comes from knowing Christ and, and that our, our hope is secure, as we talked about. It's secure. What else do we have? We have the promise of the prize. 
Right. But isn't that, that's a reassuring thing in and of itself. Exactly. We know God has told us trials will come. So don't be surprised, he says. Don't be surprised when various trials come into your life because remember all the other men and women of faith, the trials came into their life. So don't be surprised by these things like it's some unnatural thing coming into you. No, it's part of the process. And knowing that as a promise really helps us to affirm that. Exactly. Through the Holy Spirit, we are more and more aligned. We become more and more like Christ as we go through that progressive sanctification. Right. The world doesn't understand that peace, right? We have a peace that the world does not understand. How can you be so sanguine when you're incurring these trials? How can you be at peace when everybody else would look at that as a disaster? You know, but we have that peace that comes. It's a peace that only, it's a supernatural peace that only can come through us through the Spirit and through our salvation. This is good. What, what other things do we have? Yes, those are tools. Just as we saw with Thomas's illustration, we have other believers as working their gifts to the Spirit. They work on us and we work on them. And as iron sharpens iron, we make each one makes each other stronger. Uh, and that gets us through those trials. We have that support group uh, to get us through. That's good. We have Exactly. We have those who have gone before us, examples in Scripture. We have people that we know, very common people that we know that have, have gone through those. And they see, and the, the other thing is you see the outcome of that too at the other end. When you see people going through trials, you see people coming out the other end and you see how the Lord blesses them through that and strengthens and grows them. He prays on our behalf. He's constantly interceding for us at the throne of the Father. Think about that. We have Christ, the Lord of the universe, who's sitting at the altar in heaven, praying for us, praying for us constantly, interceding for us with the Lord, the omnipotent, all-powerful God. Yes. It's all part of God's sovereign plan. And uh, we'll see. Exactly. And you brought up Job. That's a good example. Um, God had to reinforce his sovereignty with Job. You know, even Job was very faithful, but he said, he had to remind them that I'm in control here, Job, not you. Don't question me. So, um, so these are good. Any other? Uh, these are great. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a new heart that's in us. You know, we still have that old flesh, but we have the spirit living inside us that helps us battle against the flesh. And that's what progressive sanctification is about, you know, he increases and we decrease, our old self decreases, and slowly but surely uh, we, we become more and more like him with a new heart, a new focus. Exactly. We have the Bible. Uh, 
we have God's truth, God's word in our hands, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand that truth, the knowledge of that truth, which a lot of people can read the Bible but don't comprehend it. You know, it's foolishness to those who don't believe. There's joy at the end of that. Yes, I mean, you know, definitely that. Um, um, yeah, but there's a joy, you know, and joy isn't like clicking up my heels, you know, happy all the time. Joy is kind of an inward satisfaction and understanding of God's purpose in our lives. So it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm so happy my mom died. You know, it's not that. I mean, it's it's um, it's a it's a joy though that I know. Hey, she's with the Lord. I can be, I can rejoice. And I'm sad that she's not with us and I miss her companionship, but I'm really rejoicing that she's with the Lord. So, um, so these are all great. You know, another thing I had here is, uh, we have a new citizenship. So we've transferred our citizenship from here. Colossians three, uh, you've been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on things of earth. So often I think we think of the things of earth. We're focused on the things down here, not remembering that when we became Christians, our citizenship is up there. We should be thinking about what we're storing up for heaven. We'll talk about that in the treasure principle uh, when we talk later this week with Rick and the men. Uh, where, is, where is your treasure? Where is your citizenship? You know, we've transferred our citizenship from here to there. So we have to kind of be thinking as citizens of our new uh, country, our new uh, realm, as opposed to, to down here. Um, and the other thing is God has given us a whole series of tools. For Second Peter, uh, Peter says, we have been granted everything uh, pertaining to life and godliness. And in Ephesians 6, we have what? What do we have in Ephesians 6? the whole armor of God, right? We have the, we guarding our loins with truth. We put on the breast face of righteousness. We shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to taking up the shield of faith, which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, taking the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And we know though, these are like, we're soldiers. Paul, Paul uses a lot of uh, military examples, you know, and, the, and there was a, probably a militaristic culture that he lived in, but he used this as that when we become Christians, we are issued our gear. This is our gear. We are issued this, but it's the progressive sanctification. It's the use of that gear. It's the experience of the gear gets us better. So we're more equipped and more equipped. We get, we become stronger, better soldiers as we use that gear. So we've got it. We're, pre- we're prepared. And when we become Christians, we get it. Um, but it's, it's the actual use of it that, that gets us through that, that, that uh, helps us in our, our, um, our mission. And then, um, and then in addition, you know, um, not only as new citizens of a different uh, of realm of, of God's kingdom as opposed to the earthly kingdom, uh, we get new goals and new purpose. What is our purpose as Christians now versus where we were before? Glory of God. What does it say in the uh, Westminster Catechism? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. We're here for the glory of God. What else? What else? What other are our other goals here? 
Exactly. Make disciples, baptizing them. So share the gospel. And then once you've shared the gospel, um, disciple them. Encourage them to grow. Use your gifts. And one other thing here is we're also commanded to be like Christ. Therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So we, we want to glorify God. We want to minister and share the gospel. In fact, I think um, Christ summed it up pretty well. You know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Um, and then you should love your neighbor as yourself. Those really, you know, leave it to Christ to kind of sum up, you know, the whole Bible in two verses. And really that's our purpose is to share the gospel and once people know Christ is to encourage them, to exhort them in their faith, but most of all, to love God with all our heart and serve him, become more like him and obey him. So with that as a foundation, it certainly gives us a new perspective on trials. And that foundation uh, really uh, helps us um, endure the trials. So, so getting in back into Romans, so the first thing they talk about, once you've had that foundation that can never be taken away from you, now, as we begin our journey of uh, progressive sanctification, first thing we're supposed to do is exult in trials. So we exult, uh, and, and it's interesting, the, the previous verse, it says, we exult in the hope of our future glory. So just as we exult in the future glory, we exult in the trials now. It's the same word. So... So the same exaltation that we have about the future, we also exult now because we know those trials are for our, our betterment, for our, for that God is using to uh, make us like him and to encourage us. So trials can take a lot of different forms. They could be short, they could be long, they could be physical, they could be mental, it could be righteous persecution. You know, we could be persecuted for our faith, but it also could be a chastisement for sin. In both cases, God is using those to either drive sin out or expand our capacity to worship him and glorify him. Uh, and all have a purpose. So, um, uh, you know, so what we talked about um, in terms of persecution, Peter says, but to, in 1 Peter 4.13, but the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. There's another exultation. So rejoice that we are able to chosen to suffer with Christ as we get persecuted for our faith. It's a cause for rejoicing that we would be counted with Christ. But then on the, the converse, Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. So the counter side of that is suffering because of sin of something in our life, but that teaches us and it helps drive that sin out of our life. So it's still a joy. Um, and you know, the, like I said, the, the trials could be long or short. Paul had many trials that he was stoned multiple times. He received 40 minus one lashes. He was shipwrecked. All these are, are short-term, but he also had long-term trials. He had a thorn in the flesh. And Paul t talks about that a little bit, which, which never left him. Uh, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself. So Paul was a proud guy. Uh, and he had a lot of knowledge of scripture. And so to keep him from exalting himself because of all of the revelation that he'd been given, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Lord, take it away. Here's Paul, a righteous guy saying, hey, take it away. 
but the Lord didn't because the Lord knew better. He knew, and the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses and persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood that this thorn in the flesh, this challenge, along with all the other trials, were given as a, a purpose to keep Paul focused on the goal and to keep him uh, in the will of the Lord. And so he, even though he asked for them to be taken away, he understood why God let them be and why all the other trials he experienced uh, were there. So, so what, um, so let's get into this. So that was the, our perspective on trials. We had the power of trials, which is our foundation in Christ. We had the perspective on trials, which is exultation, joy about trials. We have the purpose of trials, which is perseverance. Um, uh, when trials come, uh, we, uh, we are receive perseverance through them when we experience trials. So what are some of the purposes that God uses trials for? Yes. Yeah, makes us humble. Yes. Exactly. Right? Not our own strength. We know we can't get through it. Exactly. These are all useful. Um, he uses it sometimes to test us. What did what did um, um, what did God say to Abraham after he went through the experience of sacrificing his son? He said, "Do nothing." They intervene. For now, I know that you fear God. So it's a test. It was a test. It started out that way. God tested Abraham, um, and from then on, even though Abraham was a man of faith, the fact that he even went to sacrifice his son means he was a man of faith. He believed in God. But God named that place, the Lord will provide. God taught him a lesson about the Lord's provision in his life that he never forgot, and he memorialized it. So even God, even Abraham, who was faithful, these tests test our faith, and they, they take it to the next level. And it's not for God's benefit, testing, well, hey, are you a Christian or not? Like God doesn't know. Uh, it's testing for us to understand are we Christians or not? They can be used to say whether you are of the faith. Um, or it can be say, how strong is your faith? Um, I had a, uh, you know, when it comes to testing, I had a, um, I had a little incident people uh, know uh, a while ago uh, with a heart attack. And uh, when I went to the doctor, she said, well, you know, we have a test for that. You know, if you would have come in, um, we could have done a stress test, and that would tell us, you know, whether you have a problem or not. And I said, well, okay, well, now you tell them. Uh, but that test was to be able to test what the condition of, of your, your bloodstream was, and, and that test would have let me know if I have an issue that needs to be addressed before it becomes catastrophic. So we have it the same thing with God testing our faith. So now, uh, as a result of that, we have a little um, defibrillator that I carry in my car that my wife kindly got me. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how I would actually engage it if I was by myself, you know, just to strap it on and 
but it's great when you're falling asleep or you're dozing off, you know, you get a little jolt. But, um, <laughs> but the <laughs> so, uh, you know, even Peter had a test like that. Remember Peter, you know, you know, when Peter, when Matthew 26, he said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Uh, and then right after that, he denied him three times and then he went back to fishing. So, and then as you recall, when the Lord gathered them all back, he asked them three times, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he knew he was referring back to the time that I denied him. But from then on, Peter's ministry was changed. He went through the test. God did a gut check on Peter and his life and his commitment to the Lord. And Peter was never the same in ministry after that. So even somebody like Peter went through a test like that of your faith. And then later on, Peter would say, uh, when he wrote his epistle, in this you great, First Peter first, uh, 1, 6 through 7, in this you greatly rejoice even now for a little while, if necessary, you've been dress, distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter's perspective on trials changed uh, and he was changed by that test. Um, let's see, we talked about all those. You know, we talked about uh, clarifying what is important, purpose of trials. You know, Moses, when he had grown up, this is um, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment of the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater than riches of treasures of Egypt. It gets our focus on the right things, even though being with the, the Hebrews was no picnic, as we talked about. Um, so uh, another thing that, um, um, and I, I think someone already did that, is that um, going through trials causes us to a, real, a greater realization of our eternal hope. Romans 18, 18 through 24, for I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that has been revealed about, to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subject to utility, futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will, be, will also be set free from its slavery of corruption and the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers and pains the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons of the redemption of our body. For in the hope we have been saved, but that hope is that is seen is not hope for who hopes what he's already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. So we long for that. And um, I think we talk about life is, is, is a vapor. You know, as we talked about in James, we're just a vapor. I remember uh, Susan and I came to mainstream uh, 1984. We started here. How many people were even alive in 1984? Okay, so so I can I can attest to you that um, that you know, and it, it doesn't seem. I mean, things go by like that, and so that really puts perspective on our trials. You know, this is we're just here for a little bit of time, so we need to leverage those trials, use them, and and not get ensconced like this is going to be forever. Things go fast. Um, you know, Second Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer man is though our outer man is decaying. I can attest to that. 
Uh, our inner man is being renewed day by day from moment, this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, the things that are seen are eternal. So that's another kind of parallel verse to what we just talked about. So, it, um, so, uh, so trials have a lot of purposes. Um, teaches us to value the blessings of God. Uh, it helps us to empathize with others who are in suffering. Um, that when we go through trials, uh, we're able to empathize with others who go through trials and they're able to see that and, and it strengthens our message and our ministry to them. Um, you know, we, we become more useful. And we talked about John Owen uh, earlier, um, uh, you know, in terms of the progressive sanctification. These temptations are trials uh, based on afflictions, troubles, persecutions, and the like. They are all guided to us by Christ and his spirit, for he is the one who rebukes and chastens us. But what is his end in this? It is that faith may be exercised and patience employed and one grace be added to another so that these may carry us on towards perfection. There's that word perfection that they talk about in James. So um, let's go. So, so we talked about the, the uh, power of trials, the, the um, perspective on trials, the... Um, the power of trial, excuse me, the purpose of trials, here we go. And then the last thing is the product of trials. What are the outcome of trials? Uh, trials are for, uh, as we talked about, our, certifi- uh, our sanctification. Um, and ultimately, um, the, our, our ultimate product is proven character. So as just we talked about, every one of the, the uh, men and women of faith that we talked about, they were proven through trials. And it provides clarity and focus. Uh, it, it increases our Christian witness so that you may prove yourselves, uh, this is Philippians 2, 15, so you prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you also appear as lights in the world. So it uh, the product is uh, our proven character is a witness to others around us as we go through trials. It also produces fruit in our lives as we talked about. Uh, and the ultimate end of that is hope. It further strengthens our hope. So you see this circle. We go from, it starts with hope that we get when we become Christians all the way through the progressive sanctification and it strengthens our hope. So it's a, it's a spiral basically going upward as we, as we hope in Christ, we exult in our trials, we, we persevere, we build character, and that, that strengthens our hope, and it just keeps going in a circle all the way till we get to heaven. The opposite is true of prosperity gospel. If you, uh, if you have a false hope in worldly things, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be discouraged, and you're going to go in a downward spiral because you're always going to be let down. You're never gonna, it's never going to fulfill you, and you're not going to have the tools to deal with it. So, so there's the two different. If you're a Christian, Trials encourage your faith, strengthen your faith. If you're not, you go the other direction. So, um, so let's uh, let's talk about some applications. So, what can we do? Uh, and we've sort of talked about some of these, but um, what can we do uh, to prepare for trials? We've already sort of talked about, but. Um, 
just read the word. You know, um, I think when you're in the trials, you know, look at what the purpose is, understanding that these come from God, understanding what the purpose of those trials are. Prepare for battle, take up your whole armor, get ready. Prayer is a good way to endure and go through trials. You know, and it's not that we're, hey, God, you know, hey, let me bring something to your attention. Uh, It's not that. Uh, It's about really aligning our will with God's will and understanding the trials. And then as we go through the trials and we, we pray to God and we align, we see how God works in those trials. You may not see the provision ahead of time, but when you pray, you see it ahead of time, you back, and that creates thankfulness. Uh, and that gets us, strengthens our resolve in the next trial coming. So, um, and then obviously we already talked about Scripture. If we understand the promises of God, we understand everything that we've talked about today. If we understand our foundation, that's going to get us through trials. It's going to strengthen us through trials and understand how we handle trials and go to the Word. And Word has practical um, truth for how we get through trials and what our attitude is to be. So I want to tell you um, a story. Uh, you may know this this guy. There was a um, guy I just saw in the paper uh, had a had a series of trials. Uh, first of all, uh, he had a home invasion robbery that came, and uh, and in the process of that, uh, the robbers killed his prize Labradoodle. It was sad. Then they then riots burned down his business. Uh, One of his children ran off to ISIS. The other became an atheist college professor. Uh, He contracted COVID uh, through all of this. And then when he was in the hospital on the respirator, his wife kind of whispered into his ear, you know, could you hurry up and die so I can get the insurance money? And uh, and then at the recommendation of his friend, he placed all his savings in Bitcoin that uh, tanked. (laughs) And uh, does anybody know who this is? Might be. Yes. (laughs) This is the living Bible translation of Job. Uh, So (laughs) just trying to make it, you know, a little more practical. Uh, So he said, and and, uh, Job said, you know, when when the trials first hit him, you know, Job was right on. Naked I came from my mother's room and naked I would return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's right on, right? And then, when his wife said, you know, why don't you just hurry up and die? He said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. But yet God had a lesson to teach Job. Even a faithful man like Job, there was still a lesson. Because what happened later, and of course, Job was getting tremendous advice from his friends. Uh, and one of the things he would teach him is get different friends, I think. Uh, <laughs> But, but even then, Job was questioned, why are these things happening to me? And then God goes in one of the longest, I think, series of uh, messages directly speaking from God about God teaching Job about his sovereignty, his, his wisdom, his purpose, his power. And, and it was a whole discourse uh, from God to Job about God, teaching him about God. And so it was clear from that that Job did not know everything. He knew, even though he's a faithful man, and he trusted in the Lord, he, his faith in God and his understanding of God was small. And here's what Job said at the end. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, 
I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you will instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ears, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and repent in dust and ashes. So even Job, a man, a faithful man. And what did the Lord do? The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and he, he restored it, increased it twofold. So, so even, a, even a man of faith that Job was still had things to learn from God. And the way he learned those is through an intense series of trials. And as we talked about earlier, the magnitude of those trials far exceeded what any of us could have withstood. So that was, that was a measure of Job's faith that he was able to experience trials of that magnitude. And even then, there was another level for Job to get to. So you can see that, that spiral going is that even Job, a faithful man, trials were able to increase his faith even more, his knowledge of God even more. And that's what trials can do for us. So, um, so with that, I think we'll close. I think we're in pretty good shape. I'm going to close this somewhere. Any, any parting comments for anybody? Want to? This is. There you go. Very good. Nate and Jocelyn, any, any comments from <laughs> you started this. Yes. Because one, I think you're going to be blessed because you're not alone. And if you step out and do that. And the other is, if you see someone struggling, reach out to them. Absolutely. Good advice. Thank you. Anyone else? Any other? Okay. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it, being a little more reactive. Uh, most people seem like they're still awake now, so that's good. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll close this in prayer. Holy Father, Lord, we're so... Uh, so thankful that you've explained trials. They can be such a confusing thing to us, you know, not understanding where they come from, why they come to us, how to endure them, Lord. And Lord, we're, we're thankful that in your word, you really explain that to us. And you give us the tools through your Holy Spirit, through scripture, through the ministry of other believers, Lord. You give us the tools to increase our endurance through these trials and ultimately proven character and hope. Lord, we're, uh, we're just thankful for this body here and their, their commitment to you. And Lord, help us to, again, look at the trials that we're experiencing um, and really use them to grow and also to, test, to witness to others, Lord, through those trials and help them understand. If they don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you and understand how can uh, they would want to know what we have that they don't have, that, that we're able to endure the trials and we would be able to use that to share the gospel. Or if they do know you, Lord, that it would encourage their faith and strengthen them in their uh, ministry and, and their endurance of trials, Lord. When we thank you, just help us to apply this this week and um, look forward to bringing us back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen.